Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Corey Rosen, and you're listening to the Story Podcast. Today, I have a super awesome guest, but before we get into that, I just want to let everybody know that we have our website finally up and running. That is CoreyRosenProductions.com. That's C-O-R-Y-R-O-S-E-N Productions.com. There you can find out more about me, all of the shows that we have, all the social medias, and all of the events that we have coming up. Speaking of which, we have our first ever event as a Story Podcast, our Story Awards ceremony so you can go over there and check it out that'll be at march sunday march 19th 5 p.m over at switchboard studios in columbia it's going to be a great night of live music you know obviously an awards like a grammy style awards show kind of thing and what we'll, afterwards we'll have a one hour jam session so be sure to bring your instruments <laughs> along for that with that said i have on miss katie damiano katie damiano is a music therapist who believes adamantly that music is not a luxury Music is a necessity. She has two decades of experience working with children with special needs. In addition, Katie is the executive director of Heartstrings United, a nonprofit organization with the mission of bringing sustainable early childhood music programs to missions that serve children with backgrounds of abuse, trauma, and neglect. She is also a local musician who enjoys playing the folk stylings of Joan Baez, Dar Williams, and Joni Mitchell. Katie, how are you doing today? I am good. Thanks for having me. Of course. So music therapy, mm-hmm. that what a what a place to get into. Yes. Where do you think that all began for you? The love of music and the love of therapy? So it's funny, when I was applying at grad in for graduate school, we had to write an essay about what music therapy meant to us or you know, where we ever came up with this idea that music and therapy could coexist. And I went back to um when I used to watch horror movies, okay, I love horror movies. But if you're watching a horror movie and there's no music, it's not nearly as scary, no. right? Yeah. So it was when I was doing that that I realized that music has an ability to affect emotion. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as I, you know, kind of went through high school, college, I wanted to be a Broadway singer. Like that was going to be what I was going to be when I grew up. Um, but it never left me that music had such a profound way of affecting emotion. Um, and then so I started, you know, kind of delving into this idea of music therapy, like that's a thing. And once I found out that it was a career path, um, I was, I was, I was sold. That's what I was going to be. <laughs> so let's take it back a little bit further then. You said you wanted to be a, a Broadway star. Mm-hmm. What was it that... Uh, what was it that really, the music bug bites everybody? When did the music bug bite you? So the music bug uh, bit me probably when I was in eighth grade. Um, that was my first time on the stage. And I did all of the musicals from eighth grade up and through, up through college. It was actually how I kind of made money in college. I used to do um, murder mystery dinner theaters. I used to work at the local, um, perform at the local community theaters. Um, even when... I was in um, beginning to think about music therapy, you know, going into music therapy. I went to a, um, my first open call in New York City. Mm. And I can remember standing in the line. It was for rent. And I, I, I'm aging myself right now. Um, but I went to my first open call in New York City for rent. And I remembered thinking, I don't want, this is not where I'm supposed to be. Mm. I waited in line for six hours to sing for 30 seconds. I forgot the words. And... <laughs> So while the music bug had bitten me in a very, you know, early on, it was in that moment that I knew that's not where I was being called. Like, I, I, like, I, like I got 30 seconds and I forgot the words. I was singing a Joan Baez tune for the casting crew, you know, casting director of Rent, and I couldn't remember the words. Um, and that's when I knew, like, the music that I love was meant to do something else. Mm. And it was a very profound moment, actually. Yeah, for sure. It- there's a lot of people that are called to do music, but what in music are we called to do too? Exactly. So you found that your love in music therapy. Explain to me what music therapy is. Yep. It's a great question. <laughs> um, so basically, one, when people say you're a music therapist, what does that mean? I say, well, first it means I have the best job in the whole world, <laughs> like hands down. Um, but what a music therapist does is we use evidence-based that's really important. This is research. This is evidence-based music interactions and strategies to address skills that actually have nothing to do with music. 
Right. So, you know, if you go back to World War II, um, they, you know, music therapists kind of came on the, on the scene because they um, were dealing with post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, they were working with veterans. They were working in the, um, in the Army hospitals. And people were like, oh, they sing to you. They make you happy. And that's for a long time what people thought music therapists were. But about 15, 20 years ago, probably closer to 15, when we first saw, and this is when I nerd out, um, when we first saw the brain on MRI mm. engaging in music, it was the entire brain lights up. So when you're listening to music, when you're playing music, when you are um, listening, singing, playing, perceiving, your entire brain is being activated. So um, with, that, with that knowledge, we now know we can use music to affect change right. because it activates every area of your brain. That's really cool. It's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> so what does that mean in, uh, obviously, I don't know what it, well, I know what an MRI is, okay. but I don't know what that, what that means. What does that mean for the, your entire brain to light up? Does it hit, what parts of the brain does it hit? Yep, so that's exactly it. Um, it hits every area of the brain. So when you, and I was, I was um, when I do, uh, I sing it, you know, some of the open, local open mics, and I always say that just because you're sitting here listening to music, you are activating, you are using every part of your brain. You know, there's a reason that um, people who can't speak can sing. It's because one area of their brain may be significantly damaged, but guess what? If we're singing, we don't need to use that area. We can use the millions of other areas in your brain that control speech and music. So are, are you saying that mute people can, that you can't speak can often mm. sing? Good question. Uh, not, necessarily if, not necessarily mute, but we're saying if there's um, been a damage to the brain from like a stroke, mm. um, if there are certain speech delays, children on the spectrum who... Um, struggle with uh, verbal communication can vocalize and sing i i have noticed that as uh i for those who don't know i, I teach children how to swim and some of the people I, I teach are on the spectrum and uh nonverbal. yes and uh oftentimes whenever uh we we sing along to the children to help you know distract them from the fear of water or yes, whatever absolutely and uh oftentimes whenever i have them do something this one particular kid will always start singing while he does the action oh that. <laughs> and so whenever I say, you know, monkey airplane soldier, he'll start singing along and doing yep. it with it. Um, and so it's really, that's really interesting, actually. Well, and it shows that you have really good instincts because, you know, our children learn through play. Right. And play is the work of childhood. So, you know, music is a huge part of play. Um, so you're actually teaching a non-musical skill, swimming, through using music. So. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> It's always funny because we're always like, oh, it distracts them. But... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so why then? Okay. I'm, gonna, I'm trying to, I'm trying to uh, process. By the way, if anybody has any questions that they would like to also ask, please be sure to do so in the comments and we'll get around to it. So what is the best way for – here's a question. Okay. Uh, Song-wise, there are many genres, many types mm -hmm. of song. Uh, I imagine some are more useful to help kids than not. So, you know, it's, it's actually a very, it's a, you bring up a really good point. Um, when we look at music for, as music therapists, we don't actually look at the music first, mm. okay? We have to look at what is the need. Is this a need in the area of um, communication? Is it a need in the area of motor skills? And then we can pretty much take, these things are falling off my head. Okay. Um, <laughs> as I'm, a, you know, changing. Um, it's not necessarily the song that we choose, it's the way that we adapt it, okay? So, for example, you have a copy of um, me doing Coldplay's lullaby, uh, Coldplay Yellow as a lullaby. Yes, it's, a, it's, you know, it's not that I picked the genre, or I adapted the musical elements. So, it's not so much, um, is it gonna be a blues tune, is it gonna be a folk tune, is it gonna be a children's tune? It's gonna be, hey, what rhythm am I going to use? Mm -hmm. or what words am I going to leave out? Um, how slow am I going to sing it? Um, you know, those kind of things are what I adapt more so than picking the perfect song. 
And why does that matter? The the tempo, the the words. Mm-hmm. So if you think about um, if you think about just you in your everyday existence, so much of what you do is naturally musical, right? The way that you walk right. is rhythmic. The way that you breathe, um, the way that we talk is melodic. It has prosody. Um, it has rhythm. Um, so it's using those elements. We need to use the elements that are inherently musical to be able to um, deal with some, to help people deal with certain needs in certain areas. Um, rephrase, ask me that question again because I want to so make wh- sure I answered it correctly. Why does the tempo, why does the, the harmonic structure, why mm-hmm. does the, the, the words they leave in and out matter? Because when you are dealing with a goal, whether it be a speech goal or a communication goal, there are certain elements of music that are more um, that make sense in the brain to be able to adjust, address that goal. Um, for example, if um, a person is um, has stuff has suffered a stroke, for example, they now walk with um, a gait that is not steady. I use rhythm because walking is rhythmic. Mm-hmm. So if I can set a specific rhythm. I can then activate the area of the brain that's saying, oh, wait, I have to sync up. Okay. Um, if I'm working with um, language, more so I'm going to pick something that's melodic because language is, is, is um, you know, it's, it's musical. So I may adapt the melody because that's the part of the brain that's going to, um, that we're going to want to touch on to help meet that goal. Um, you know, it's, it's funny, we're getting into some really cool neuroscience stuff here um, that's hard to, to kind of articulate um, in a way that keeps everybody interested. That's right. <laughs> but it's, it's picking those elements that are going to um, use the part of the brain that we need in order to affect change in a person. So what are some of the uh, disabilities that you can help better? Mm-hmm. So music therapists work, um, we work in the NICU, so we work anywhere from the, the actually, the neonatal intensive care unit, unit. we work with children um, with special needs, we work um, in addiction, we basically work through the lifespan, we work in um, dementia and Alzheimer's units, and we work at end of life. So um, depending on your specialty as a music therapist is, um, is where, you will, where you'll find your work, but we work through the lifespan. And what's your specialty? Children with special needs. Okay. Yep. Yep. So I've worked with children. Um, gosh, I have been Miss Katie for like 20 years. And it is like my fa- like, um, In fact, it's funny. My niece, um, one of my nieces had a, a, a speech delay when she was, and as did my daughter, um, had a speech delay when they were little. And so I made these CDs to promote early childhood speech development for children. Um, just because I took the songs I would sing to my own child, and I thought, well, maybe other moms want to, you know, sing along. Um, my niece used to call me Miss Katie. She was like, I was like, Aunt Katie. No, Miss Katie. But no, so that's uh, children with special needs. So how, as a person with a speech delay, how, I mean, you, you say music can help you uh, correct that a yes. little bit. What What are some of the, the, the tools? Like, is it just the words you say and the, and the rhythm that you say it? Is it just... I'm surely it's not, you know, complex language. Exactly. Well, so you've got it. So language um, is interesting. So you've got articulation. That's the way that we say words. Yes. Okay. I will, um, so I will then place, I know that children, if you're singing with them and you go, twinkle, twinkle, little, they're going to fill in star. It's the phrase ending. Mm -hmm. It's developmental. That's what they're going to do. So knowing that a child is working on a certain word, I'm, I'm going to put it at the phrase ending. Gotcha. Because I know that's where they're most likely to sing it. Um, I'm also going to use a certain interval. If you think of children, na 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 na, right. I'll often will use that sort of an interval because the brain has gotten used to it. Um, so while language, when we talk, is primarily um, left side of the brain, when I'm singing, that we're actually act, we're actually using the right side of our brain. So if this area is having, you know, if there's a struggle or an obstacle. Um, then we can use the other side of the brain simply by making those adjustments to the music. It's pretty cool stuff. It, it is pretty me. cool. I'm just saying. Because, <laughs> well, what you're doing is you're rewiring the brain with music. Yes. In fact, there's a really fancy word for that. Neuroplasticity. Neuroplasticity. 
You heard it here. Yeah, right. Uh, that's, that's, <laughs> a, that's your $5 word of the day. There today. you go. I want everybody to use it in a sentence at some point today. Neuroplasticity. Neuroplasticity. That is the ability of the brain to rewire. This is, you know, it's funny. This is great news. This is the reason why we, me, at my age, <laughs> can still learn to play an instrument mm -hmm. because I can still uh, learn a foreign language. Now, it's going to be harder than when I was seven, but the brain is constantly restructuring and rewiring, and music drives those changes in the brain stronger than anything else. Really? Yes, because oh, wow. music people love music. Right, right. You know? That's, that's so interesting. Yeah. And, and yeah, uh, to comment more on the neuroplasticity, uh, it's the reason why we can get rid of addictions or we can uh, come back away from, uh, you know, alcoholism exactly. or drug, drug use, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, because yeah. we can rewire our brains away from our triggers or away from our uh, previous habits. And that's why we can make new habits, yes. make better habits as well. And that's why, you know, when we, when we get to the Heartstrings United program, um, while most people will look at it and say, oh, what a lovely idea. She sings, you know, she teaches early childhood music programs. No, what I'm really trying to do is restructure and re rewire a little brain that has been afraid for a really long time. So much like, you know, addiction wires brains in a certain way, so does abuse, mm -hmm. so does trauma, so does neglect. So what's, what's our best option? We know that music drives neuroplasticity. We use music to rewire the brain. So how do you use, uh, and so, let's talk about your nonprofit, why you got that started, and then okay. we'll go more into it. Okay. <laughs> um, so the Heartstrings United program is, uh, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm so very proud of it, and I tear up when I talk about it. Um, it started, actually, because um, one night, <laughs> I had it, this is, you're going to think this is crazy, and everybody was, you're going to be like, she's crazy, but um, I had a dream, and in my dream, I was standing in a room um, filled with um, cribs and cradles. And it was, I, and in my dream, I knew I was in an orphanage. Okay. And I remembered in my dream going, why am I, I don't even know what I'm supposed to do. Like, what, what, they're, they're babies, they're crying, I don't know what to do. And um, in my dream, I grabbed my guitar and I started to sing. So I woke up and I was like, wow, that was powerful. Um, the problem is, is I didn't just want to go to third world countries and sing to children. Because guess, right. guess what? You go and you sing to a kid. You love them, but you love them for two weeks and you leave. And again, if the goal is to rewire the brain. It's a long process. It's a long process. Miss Katie from the U.S. can't come and, and make it better in a week or two. So the goal behind, so again, I thought of it, thought of it. The goal behind the program is teaching the people who take care of children. So children who are in missions, who have been abused, um, trauma, neglect teaching the caregivers of these children to do early childhood music groups one to two times a week in order to provide a safe space for the children to make music. I'm not training music therapists. I'm training, because I'm not teaching you to be a music therapist, right. but I'm teaching you to use music in a way that for 20 minutes a day, twice a week, three times a week, um, a child's brain is not going to be in fight or flight. Mm. And that is how you rewire the brain. The brain is rewired through consistent interaction um, with a cons interaction with a consistent caregiver. So, um, so that's what the, the Heartstrings program does. I train individuals who work with children how to run music groups in their houses, in their um, in their ho local hospitals, um, in their medical practices, um, in their psychology practices, and then of course in the in the orphanages. So you mentioned uh, people dealing with, with trauma. How does you say that they're in a constant fight or flight yeah. uh, mode, and the goal is to get them out of that? Yeah. And how do you use music to get them away? Is it just by the act of them doing yes. music, or is it really that simple? You're exactly right. Just the act of making music. If we go back to that original MRI. And we see that when we make music, that the, you know, all of the brain is being activated. Well, guess what? That little brain isn't in fight or flight. Because we, just in the natural environment of making music, we're taking a little brain out of fight or flight. Or at least I'd like to think we are. Um, 
So that's that's kind of the the idea behind the program. But again, it's one of those things where do I wish that I could go and and stay for years? Absolutely. Right. But it's it's not in the cards. So. And do you happen to know why that our brains just all light up, or is it just a mystery of science at this point? I think it's the miracle of music at this point. <laughs> I think you know. Um, there is nothing else that I am aware of that, you know, neurologists, like like um, Oliver Sacks, he's a very famous neurologist. He died a few years ago. Um, he wrote about music. I don't know what it is or why it is. Is it, is it, is it, is it auditory? Is it the, the feelings that it invokes? Um, it, what is it about it? I don't know. But we know that it is the only thing that activates all of the brain. It's crazy. Uh, it's like ridiculously crazy. Like I should have brought you a, a slide of like a brain on music. Like it's super cool. Well, I, I have seen it before. <laughs> I, I have seen it before. Yeah. Because uh, I like to delve a little bit sometimes. Yeah. But uh, just to the extent of knowing, you know, because you, you, I'm sure over your 20 or so years yeah. you said of doing it, you have some wonderful stories of kids yeah. uh uh, you know, figuring out how to w- walk, how mm-hmm. to talk, how to uh, verbalize. Uh, do you want to share some of that? Sure. So, um, you know, it's funny. I uh, I will often tell people, I have been, um, in 20 years, I have been there, I've seen and heard, I've heard children's first words. Um, and that sometimes comes at the age of 12, you know, mm. depending on the child. Um, I've seen them take their first steps. Um but one of the hardest things I've also done is um, hospice. I've also been there um, as children pass. Mm. Um, so um, I've been really fortunate in in so much of the work that I do. Um, I can remember I had a little guy. He was uh, like, what is he, three or four? Just was not walking. He has a little little guy with Down syndrome. Would not take a step. And one day, now we know walking is rhythmic, right? right. So. You kind of figure out the, the way that we walk. And I grabbed these sticks and I pretended we got on a choo-choo train and I stood him up and I just started tapping. And mom was behind him and just kind of, I said, mom, just kind of guide him, guide him, guide him. And then I said, okay, let go, let go. And sure enough, doop, doop, doop. I was like, and then what poor kid, I got so excited. I stopped playing the sticks and he dropped he to his little butt. Yeah. Like, <laughs> You know, like I do that. I get so excited. I'm like, oh my god! And then I, you know, drop the sticks, and he, you know, will off on it. But he is, um, he is walking. Um, I, uh, I was telling you this, this story. Can I? Yeah, sure. Can I give a big shout out to uh, Stephen Courtney right about now? Yeah. <laughs> now, Stephen, you're gonna forgive me because I don't remember what song it was, but I was doing an internship at the uh, Home of the Merciful Savior in Philadelphia. It was a school for children with uh, cerebral palsy. Mm. And I was working with a young woman who was completely nonverbal, had a lot of behavior related to the fact that she couldn't talk. So she was, you know, you can't talk, you're angry, right? Yes. So I started singing. Oh, I wish I could remember the song. It was a Stephen Courtney tune. And I, instead of saying the word at the end, I just went, ah, or something. And she went, ah. And we're like, okay, that's the sound. And then I, t- I think I turned it into a couple of things, like la or pa or something. And by the end, it was pop. So her first word was pop. Um, so it was like stuff like that. Um, now, it's not all beautiful. Right. Um, I've, I've had my hair pulled. I've, um, you know, I've had instruments thrown at my face. Um, guitars stepped on. But uh, I'm with you there too. With, with, you know, teaching kids how to swim. But you love the work. Right. And when a child is, when you see something like that, there is such a strong communication. I am trying to tell you something and you are not hearing me. Mm. And I'm like, okay, let's take a, let's take a step back. Um, one of my other favorite things is when I go to Honduras, I've been there three times and um, the children are all Spanish speaking. Now I speak no Spanish. I show up and I'm like, somebody help. You know, like I sing songs with silly words like bum, bum, la, you know. And I get there and... Um, they line up at the, the gate. She's here. She's here. And they go, bum, bum, bum. Because they know that that's the, the song I sing as soon as I walk into their houses. 
As soon as I walk in the house, I go bum, 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 and they all line up behind me, and we start running around the kitchen. That's cute. It is the coolest thing. So I remember they're like at the gate and they're going, Miss Katie, bum, 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 because they know I'm going to grab my guitar and no matter how tired I am, I'm going to run it. We're going we're to have a little parade in that moment. Right. Um, they also all go, na, 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 hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Good. That's the English. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, so it's things like that. I, uh, I get to do that. And I'm, it's not all, like, like I said, it's, it's not always great. Um, but it is always great. Because, <laughs> uh, well, I get, you know, I get beat up as well. Yeah, uh, we you know, people, p- people who work with kids get beat yeah. up a lot. And it, it's not about that. It's, yeah. it's not what it's about. It's about uh, seeing, oh, the kid floats for the first time. And they're like, oh, you, I can do it. Yes. And it's, it's that reward that you get when you see someone jump in for the first time or for yeah. you who speaks for the first time or takes a few steps, it's, it, that's, that's what we're doing this for. It's yes. not, it, we could be beat up all day, but it's, uh, it, once we have that reward, it doesn't matter. It is when you see a child, um, I, part of what I do is adapted lessons. Mm-hmm. So um, sometimes it's music therapy takes the form of um, me teaching a child to play the guitar, play the drums, not because I am a music teacher, because it's, it's not about um, them learning the instrument. It's what are they going to learn in the process of right. playing that instrument. So when you work with children who are uh, tactically defensive, so they don't like to hold things, like it's mm. uncomfortable, and you hand them a pair of drumsticks and they hold them, well, now you've opened up a world, not for a drummer, but you've opened up a world for a child who needs to hold a marker, mm. who needs to hold a pencil who now can put something in their hands and use it because they wanted to learn to play the drums. They got used to this feeling and now check you out. I'm going to give you a, I'm going to give you a, a, you know, I'm going to give you a marker. I have a kiddo. He uses a hand stamp and he, he can't quite get it. He, he puts it on, he smears it, like puts it on like this. And I go, Hey, and we've been going t- um, drum, 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 drum. And then I hand him the stamp and I go stamp. Stamp. He goes, stamp. He gets it. He gets it. Because now it's got, a, it's got a cue. I get to see that every day. Like, I get to see stuff like that every day. And if you want to be a music therapist, get in touch with me. Because right. <laughs> I think you're going to want to. <laughs> so what are... Obviously, this is a lot of on, on the job, on the... Uh, not necessarily... Uh, a lot of improvising, that's what I'm trying to yes, say. Yes, yes. What is one of the wildest things you've had to improvise? Oh, so <laughs> what I love um, is we have, we have children who use what is called a voice output device. It is augmentative communication. Sometimes when children don't have expressive language, like a lot of children on the spectrum, they use a computer to, um, to communicate. Kind of like Stephen Hawking a little bit. That's exactly, that's augmentative communication. Um, sometimes they will ask me to sing about random topics. So for example, um, because there's, you know, music therapy is success oriented. So if I say, Hey, what are we going to do today? What should we sing about? And I get, um, guacamole. We're singing about guacamole. We're going (laughs) to sing about guacamole. So, um, you know, so I have come up with the Miss Katie specialties known as the hot dog blues, um, scooting down the hallway, um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the cheeseburger song. Um, I did. Uh, I I do one called the glass slipper, and it's a it's a takeoff. I used Bob Dylan's "Don't Think Twice, It's All Right," oh, wow. and I turned it into a song about Cinderella. I get to do so. It's you better always be ready to rhyme, you know, um, because again, you want a child set up for success. Um, the older kiddos are a little bit harder because they'll come in and they want to sing. Um, I have a, you know, they want to sing Alanis Morissette, and I'm like. Oh my goodness! You want Miss Katie to do what? You know, or they want to hear um, "Skillet," right? Or um, what's another one that recently um, "Sia," and I'm like, oh man! <laughs> so quickly we're like, okay, it's a Miss Katie adaptation. I'm like, sorry in advance, but I, I improvise like that, crazy stuff like that. <laughs> that's really cool. I'm sure that's really great for your mind as well. You know, it's. It, if I'm having, um, I'm always on. Like it's 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 great because my brain is always working. But when the rhymes aren't coming, 
oh no, they're not coming. It's like music therapy sounds completely like it's like, sorry guys, just couldn't find it today. <laughs> Is there ever a time where you have to like like take a break? Yeah, I am. Um, I see between um, I, I yeah, I, I see between six and eight children a day. Um, and um, again, much like anybody who works it, with with people, you have to be on. Right. So um, the other really important part of my job is I have to listen for what children don't say. Right. So I'm listening in the silence too. Right. But because I'm listening all day, the first thing I do when I get in the car is I listen to nothing. Like there's no music, there's no nothing. For, from the time I leave school till the time I get home, I drive in silence because my brain needs to like relax. Relax, yeah. So, what are some of the things you don't listen to? I assume you're talking about body language at that point. Yes. So you watch things like body language. Um, a child who is um, afraid is going to um, they're going to clench their jaw. You can see that. So if you move into a child and you're going to do something and you see them clench their jaw, back off. Um, their shoulders go up. So I look for that. Because again, whether it is a child who has experienced abuse, trauma, or neglect, or if it is a child on the spectrum, or if it is a child who's afraid in the water. If you come in and they're not ready for you, their shoulders are going to go up, their, um, their jaw is going to clench. You may notice that their heart, like they're going to start breathing a little bit faster. You can see their nostrils flare. Those are the things um, that you, you have to constantly, their eyes start, you know. Yep, you see them, like you see them like checking out the, so you have to be aware of those things. So listening for those things in essence. So I, ha um, I see those all the time. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah I bet uh, you do. Well, yeah, I do. But a lot of parents don't. No. So what are some ways that parents can uh, better learn about their kids or be pay attention better to their kids? And uh, what should one do when they, when they see that? How do we, how do we, uh, not a, sometimes uh, the word comes to mind, uh, yeah, bri no. <laughs> bribing because, you know, parents. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but how do we, how do we get them out of that, that, that fear mode? Sing to them. Sing to your child. It is, you know. That is the one thing um, that I tell parents all the time. Whether you have a child who can't sleep, whether you have a child who is having a tantrum, whether you have a child who is developing on a typical continuum, whether they have special needs, sing to your child. There is a reason that there is a um, decades and decades eras of lullabies mm. because for so long we have sang to babies to calm them to sleep. We lull babies to sleep by singing to them. When you, um, in the hospital, if I have, um, if I have a kiddo who is um, afraid, now this might be an older kid, right? But I still need to lull them. They're still afraid. There's a, there's a big needle coming, right? So I take a song, for example, it might be, um, what have I done recently? I'm trying to think of a, a song, I forget. But you turn it into a lullaby. And I say to the kid, listen, this is that song you like, but it's going to sound a little different. I slow it down. I put it into a three-quarter time, which is exactly kind of what lullabies do. They waltz. Right. And then we sing. So that, that to me is, is, is the, the answer to everything. Sing. Sing. Make music. <laughs> and so is that what you did uh, with your Coldplay lullaby? You it, turned it into three time and... Yep. So I don't know if I'm, I have to look, look at that one. I, I'm not sure I adapted the meter on it, um, only because I did that. Um, I wanted parents to sing along to it. So we'll have to take a listen and see if I adapted the meter. But um, because I feel so strongly about parents singing to their children, um, I did a song. Like, you know, you get sick of like Twinkle, Twinkle Little Star. Like, you can only sing that so many times and you're right. like, oh, that's how I feel. Or, you know, <laughs> hush little baby. So, um, I take songs that, that I think people like to sing, um, like Yellow from Coldplay, and uh, turn it into a lullaby. So we're going to take a listen to that. So this is Katie's rendition of Yellow by Coldplay.
Coldplay should have released that as a lullaby. Oh. It's really good. When well, you were talking about uh, some of the subconscious things we do yep. uh, while we listen to music, if you want to go into that. Well, so while we were watching, while we were listening, I was I was just happened to be looking over at you, Corey, and and you were just you were rocking, and you didn't know you were doing it, right? And you know, your first instinct was a good one, which is I'm a musician. I I naturally, but the best part of it was um, the best part of it is even if a non-musician of sorts was listening to that, they would have started to rock also. Um, Before I released it, I actually kind of tested it. I played it for a couple of people at work just to see. I was like, hey, what do you think? Do you like it? And I watched them. And when they started rocking, I was like, nailed it. (laughs) Got it. (laughs) So so I guess that's a a good quick test to see if your music is decent. So, you know, and we were talking a little bit about um, rhythm. Just, you know, one of those things that you'll notice, and I want everybody to, to you know, much like you have to use neuroplasticity in a sentence today, if you walk behind a woman with, with, in high heels, just pay attention to what you do. My bet is you're going to start walking in the exact same rhythm that she is because your brain is perceiving this rhythm and your body has a natural need to sync up with it. So weird. I, I'm also, it's so cool. <laughs> well, because there's also studies that um, that are really coming to my mind as, as like like people who are in relationships, their hearts beats will sing yes. together, mm-hmm. or uh, you know stuff like that. Yes. And it, it's 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 crazy how 
the human, I mean, we're all individuals, but when, when we come together, we really need to sync up. Yeah. Or automatically sync up. Babies in the neonatal intensive care unit, um, their little hearts are going so fast. And we need those little hearts to slow a little bit down because um, they're burning so many calories, right? right so right. before a little preemie can leave the NICU, they need to gain weight. They need to have um, a good oxygen consumption. So they'll bring the music therapist in. And what we'll do is we will match the rhythm of that little heart that is going so fast. And then we will slowly try to bring that down simply by presenting um, a complementary rhythm to it. We'll use something like a ghetto box or, um, or just a simple hand drum just with my finger. Because, again, bodies, physiologic functions sync up. The way that we breathe, the way that we our hearts beat. That's so crazy. Because I well, I know that as a person in marching band, obviously you, you walk in step with everyone else with you. Yeah. And I, I have noticed that people do not do that. Uh, <laughs> outside of outside of marching band. Yep. But that's always one of my things though, is lockstep. Yeah. Uh, that's so crazy that we, we do that stuff with I'll have to double check that or Really think about that next time I'm walking behind someone with, with high heels or the click clacks with the yep. shoes. Yeah, and it's a, it's a fancy word. You're, it's a rhythmic entrainment. It's actually what entrainment. you're in train. Yep, it's a rhythmic entrainment. <laughs> fancy word. Do, uh, to your knowledge, do all people have that or do some people not have that? So um, it is a human function. So all people, okay. yep, all people have it. Um, the, the ability of a body to sync to an outside rhythm is something that is universal. If it, is, if it is something that is naturally rhythmic. So, you know, walking is naturally rhythmic. Right. Your heartbeat is naturally rhythmic. Um, things that aren't naturally rhythmic aren't necessarily going to do that. So there is a difference. I was going to say, because even I know, like, uh, whenever... Um, <laughs> stupid. Whenever, <laughs> whenever, whenever I cut on my cats, I try to match their breathing. or just I'll yeah. automatically match their breathing. Absolutely. Or, or stuff like that, like... And then I realized, wait, why am I breathing so fast? Because, you know, cats breathe fast. Because you're, well, <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing to do, but it's, it's the truth of the matter. Like, right. you, you sync up. Um, that's so interesting. And that's why we, we were saying to you or the, the, when we were listening to the song, when I, uh, I don't gig a lot as a musician. I don't, I don't play publicly a lot. Um, I enjoy it. Um, I get super nervous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, but when I do it, uh, it's a good thing I don't play with a percussionist because, um, I like to watch the people who are watching me. So if you see me, I'll kind of like watch, and I may adapt the rhythm of something based on the guy over at that table who's rocking. <laughs> or like there might be someone who's like tapping their finger, like at the table. Or so. so I may in that moment just go, I'm just kind of, kind of switch the rhythm up. I had a little kid. I was playing at like a, it was like a family restaurant place. <laughs> and the kid got so frustrated because he was playing with a claw machine and the toy wouldn't come down. So he started to shake the machine. So I was playing and I actually started matching the rhythm of the guitar to the way that he was shaking the machine. He turned around and started to laugh because <laughs> he got it. <laughs> I was like, dude, I see you. <laughs> that's so funny. But that's how you say, show someone, I see you, I hear you when you're making music with them. That's so interesting. <laughs> so uh, you mentioned going around and gigging around. Uh, do you ever write your own music or material? So I aspire I aspire to be um, Joan, ba the, uh, Joan Baez. I aspire to be Dar Williams. I do write my own stuff. Um, nobody's heard it, <laughs> <laughs> including me. No, I'm kidding. Um, nobody's heard it yet. Um, it's my, so my New Year's resolution last year was to start playing in public, mm. to actually get to an open mic and stand up there and, you know. Do it. Just do it, right? And now this year, my New Year's resolution is to get up, stand up, and sing my own songs. <laughs> How's that working so far? Not so well. Not so well. <laughs> Not so well. <laughs> well, do you have uh, plans to at least record it, or I have pla I have big plans for big all of plans. it. But <laughs> so that is my goal. Um, I have it conceptualized. I have, um, you know, what I want. Yes, it just needs to. I just need to kind of man up a little. Woman up, get a little courage. I don't a little know. Confidence. A little confidence. Yeah. Yep, that'll so, come. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what's the what's the material of it? Is it surely it's not just kids and no? I love um, I love uh, singer song like female singer songwriters. So uh, Dar Williams right. is a big musical influence for me. Um, Natalie Merchant, um, 
those those singer songwriters, um, Lucy, uh, Lucy Kaplansky, um, Deb Talon, um, that are they're poets in their in their own right. So they're they're beautiful musicians, but they're poets. Um, I love I love I love that kind of music. So very much a folk. Joni Mitchell again, right. poets. Yep. So you also work with a uh, an awesome dude, Kevin Gannon. Who I do. Watching. <laughs> Um, and he's going to be on next Sunday as well. Oh, you're so lucky. <laughs> uh, so tell me about his uh, working with his nonprofit. Yeah. And... So um, Kevin and I, um, as well as many local musicians in the in the area, um, Kevin runs a nonprofit called Musicians Bedside Manor, and he'll be able to tell you more so about it more, yep. because I just came on to it um, over the past, gosh, couple of months. Um, I know that the program was, was big prior to COVID. COVID kind of shut things down, and then it's just restarting. Um, but what we do and what I feel so lucky to be able to team up with, with Kevin is um, on Saturdays we go to local nursing homes and, our, you know, me as well as other local musicians who are kind enough to volunteer their time and talent, and we bring live music to um, the people who can't experience it for themselves. So, um, the you know, living in nursing homes where you cannot get out to see live music we come to you. Um, we either do it in a large group, like in a community room, or we get the, um, what I think is a great privilege to be able to go to room to room to room and because um, people let you into their space and we sing to uh, the individuals living there. It's cool. the best way to spend a Saturday. I tell Kevin every Saturday, I'm like, this is the best way to spend a Saturday morning ever. Um, music, um, music in the brain is... Um, is a, is a pearl. It's 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 this gem that is protected, no matter what happens um, to the brain as we age. So as we get older, we forget. You know those pathways start dying off, right? Yeah. They start dying off, and um, but you go to a nursing home and you sing a song from the uh, the teenage to the era. Uh, yeah, they're gonna remember every, every word. word, every it's. Miraculous. Even those with uh, dementia and some, it's yep. it's crazy what those uh, those people do remember as opposed to not yep. remember. Yep, because it's it's no matter how much that that brain as we age begins to atrophy, music is like, I, and I don't know why it is, but it's like safe and protected in this little pearl down deep, very de- down deep where we keep all of our memories, um, and so we do that. Uh, I would say. Three, two to three times a month, we're we're at the nursing home. I'm looking at Kevin, like I'm looking at the screen, like Kevin's gonna yeah, come yeah, on and tell yeah. me the answer. <laughs> so did I, I was like, hey, Kevin, wait. <laughs> um, and it is, uh, like I said, we're very fortunate in that. Um, and if you are a local musician and you want to share your time and talent on a Saturday morning, please join us because um, we could really we could really use the help. And I promise you will get you will get more than you give. Yeah. So uh, we have an actual question from my uh, friend Pete. Uh, he said he, he's enjoying the conversation, but he found because uh, we talked about COVID and a shutdown, and I have another uh, question related to that as well. Yeah, uh, he's found out that when COVID lockdowns forced the the canceling of you know every everything, uh, his music abilities grew. Could this be attributed to the shutting down chaos and letting creativity grow, or is that just? Oh, I think. What do you think? Oh, I th- you know, it's first of all, it's a great question, and and certainly, um, it makes sense. Because remember, you know, we, it's almost as if we quieted all the other noise, right? right? So all of that, all of that other sensory bombardment that we get throughout the day, I, I think that was gone, or at least it was quieted. Um, at least if you had the turn, TV turned off. It, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I do, I, you know, I do believe, um, you know, for me, it gave me the courage to start. I used to do a stay-at-home open mics. So, Pete, I, um, I do believe there is something to that um to that being uh, helping to that that creativity to blossom and to come forward and especially with humans there's nothing to do our, our natural instinct is to do something creative or yes. fun yeah and uh especially when we have you know all the time in the world at that point yeah. uh and pete i know you love your saxophone yes <laughs> in fact i've been lucky enough to play with pete or, oh, yeah yeah, yeah, um, yeah we do a great uh come away with me right great. little nora jones <laughs> And so I, I just naturally believe, and that's why I honestly think um, we we had this conversation yesterday with uh, literally who did I have on yesterday? 
Uh, well, we had a, we had a conversation. Uh, uh, it was Jason Karst. We had a conversation of how he yeah. has a, a guitar in his uh, living room, just right by on the stand by the couch. And yep. whenever he's bored, whatever, just picks it up because it's you know insight in mind as opposed to out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. Uh, to practice your instrument, and it was uh, one of the key takeaways from that episode: was practice your instrument. Yeah. Yes. Um, for sure. And here's my other question I had related with COVID. There are a lot of studies coming out that children were massively affected by the the shutdowns and all that stuff. So, yeah. are you seeing a ripple in that? And oh, it's it's um, it's devastating. Um, one um, children on the spectrum were without school for without social without it's one the social aspect of it for all children. Right, but two, um, they um, the sometimes children with special needs are at a risk of what's called regression. And we tend to lose skills faster when we're not using them. Um, we had, you know, when children aren't in school, they aren't using those skills. Now, we did our best. I mean, we, you know, virtual music therapy was a whole new experience. Um, the other thing that was so concerning is um, child abuse. Um, oh, I'm Child sure. abuse, um, because children weren't in school, so there wasn't mandated reporting of child abuse. So I well, think. There's no way to know. There's no way to know. Yeah. So I think um, we're going to see or have seen and will continue to see um, a ripple effect for our for our children. But here's the best part. Okay. Neuroplasticity. Right. The brain changes. Right. So the brain may we may have changed during covid and not and not that great of a way. Right. Right. Or, or at least in, in the context that we're talking about. Yes. But guess what? The brain's still changing. It can be so fixed. It can be fixed. It can be healed. You know, it's going to take work. It doesn't. It does not negate what everybody went through during that time. Right. Um, what you and you know, everybody. Everybody. Um, but the brain can change. That's good because yeah. I know that was one of the the, the big worries about the, the shutdowns at schools and everything was the kids aren't getting the the socialization yeah. that they absolutely need. Yep. And uh, or the teaching or you know or like you said abuse wise they're. They aren't going to schools, and teachers yeah. can't see any signs of abuse or anything like that. Yeah. So, and I know there was just a, a large amount of uh, violence because everyone was crammed in together, uh, or and suicide because everyone you isolation. Know, nobody knew what yeah, isolation. Nobody knew what was going on. There was so much fear in every aspect of what was going on at that time. It was. It's. It's. You know. It's. It's funny. I remember they sent us home on a. It was sent, they sent us home on Friday the 13th. I, I know. I, I and, remember it. It's Friday the 13th. And um, <clears throat> on Monday, I remembered going, I don't know what to do. If like I remember being at home going, okay, I'm going to go running. So I, I was like, I don't know what to do. I, the kids. So what I did that day is, or a couple days later, I got on Facebook Live at noon. And I had no idea what I was going to do or how it was going to turn into it. But every day at noon from my house, we did Live with Miss Katie. And we did a 10-minute music group. 15, 10 to 15 minute music group for children, anybody who would tune in because Miss Katie needed something to do at noon. Right. And, yeah. and the kids loved it. But guess what? I needed it because I was lost without being a like, what? Like, what do I do? <laughs> right. Well, I mean, everybody was kind of lost at that time. Well, like, what do we do? What do we do? Uh, thank God for technology in this aspect uh, that we that we had that st- still kind of social uh, aspect. Yeah. But I really do wonder what what the the future holds because I'm sure as as we go further and further away from uh, the lockdowns that you might get more and more kids that have struggled with speech patterns or uh, struggle with that in that way. But one of the one of the most redeeming um rede- not redeeming is I guess not the right word but one of the most the bright the bright, bright spot. spots for me yes. was um when they said you're going to go on a computer and you're going to do virtual music therapy, I like scoffed at the eye. I was like, no, they're not. No, that doesn't work. Doesn't I work. need to be in, in person. Right. It, I need to be in their faces and I need to be right there. And I, and all of a sudden I, I got on and I sing the same song to start music therapy. And I use the same song to end music therapy every day, every time. And I remember the first time I got on and I started to sing. Hello. Uh, da, da, yes, indeed. The children recognized me it wasn't because of anything other than wait i know that song she's that lady who sings that, or uh, that's miss katie but right. that's that's a miss katie song and that's how it was so cool to see that it wasn't that they were it wasn't it wasn't about me it was about the fact that they knew the that music. song it's music time wow she's here 
That's you know? awesome. Yeah. Because that, that was another thing about being in person as opposed to being like, the whole thing of online education versus in-person education yeah. as well. That's really cool that, that music even can transcend that. And I was, and I was the first one to be like, I'm, no, this is, I was such a cynic about the whole idea. And then I saw that, I saw it in action. It works. And it's now impacted the way that I practice because just in case, just in case, um, I saw the way that it carried over to the virtual environment because the children recognized what I was singing. That's awesome. (laughs) So we're running out of, uh, rounding out our time here. We have a few questions that oh. I, I just like to ask for for uh, all the guests here okay so if you have any more questions that anybody watching that wants to ask please be sure to write them in the comments and I'll get around to them the first question I have is what is one of the most memorable lessons you've learned throughout all of this um one of the most there is always a bright spot there is always a bright spot. You just have to look for it. You can be having the worst music therapy or something. But I bet if you look close enough, because I tell my interns all the time, I bet if you look close enough, you can find a bright spot. Uh, and, uh, I can add on to that. Like, yeah. for example, if a kid's not being cooperative or mm-hmm. if, uh, you know, there's so many things that can go wrong when you work with children. Oh, yeah. And, and, <laughs> but, you know, just getting them to talk to you or getting mm-hmm. them to look your way is a win, right? Absolutely. Getting their attention, having them put their, uh, for us, having them just put their feet in the water or having a seat at the yep. side of the pool, it's a win. Yep. Right. And it's not always going to go the perfect way. And like you said, uh, since yours is a success driven yep. thing, you know, having them even walk in and sit down is a success. Exactly. So that is my, uh, yeah, what I've learned, what I, uh, you know, remind myself, what I um, tell the, like I said, the interns that come through, um, look for the bright spot. So what is one of one piece of advice we we always we did talk to uh like your parents sing to your children what is another uh, best piece of advice that you know often adults wouldn't think about when dealing with kids um, match and mirror um, they are not little adults okay mm. so if you can match a child just by coming down to their level if you can mirror them by, if they're talking fast and they're super excited, well, you're going to want to talk really fast and be super excited too. Match and mirror. Because when you match and mirror anyone, a child, an adult, it is telling you, I am with you and I hear you and you are important. And it establishes rapport as well. Exactly. That, that's something I, I learned a lot Well, just doing this podcast as yep. well. Uh, you have to match and mirror and that's, it's such, it's such a, a push and pull that humans have yes. with each other. It, if the reason why people see, uh, you know, people as charming or whatever is because yeah. they're really good at matching and mirroring the other person. They're really good yeah. at reading the room and then reciprocating the room back. Yeah, that's that's the way you win hearts and minds over. Yeah, is by and especially for a kid, it's really hard sometimes to win a, the, you know, a mind yeah. of a kid over. Yeah, but if you match and reciprocate, <clears throat> it's gonna it, it's gonna give them oh, they're on my level. Yeah, uh, they see me. Yes, and yes. I'm. And it gives them more encouragement for them to match and mirror as well. Because kids are really also really good at matching and mirroring as well. (laughs) You know, and I think one thing that I will add to the matching and mirroring is um, every child, every person that you interact with wears a sign. Remember that everybody wears a sign that says, make me feel heard. Right. Make me feel heard. Make me feel important. Make me feel precious. And you can do that simply by matching and mirroring. mirroring. That's right. So what is one of the... Biggest mistakes that you think uh, that can be made or uh, maybe yourself have made and within the realm of music th- therapy and how can we curb that for the future uh, people who want to get involved with that? So I would encourage <clears throat> anybody who wants to, you know, music therapy, wants to go into music therapy, even current music therapists, um, I'm a storyteller. Mm. So when you come into music therapy, I want to um, tell the story of how wonderful it was, but the field as a whole needs the data. So the biggest mistake I made was not learning early on to be more of a scientist when Mm. it came to uh, data collection and being more data-driven. It's just not in my nature. Right. So um, what I would encourage and what I'm learning to do myself is navigate what I call the the numbers and the magic. Find the middle line between the numbers and the magic because they're both critically important to the work that you do and the work of uh, future therapists as well. 
just say because if there's no there's no data if there's no documentation right. how do we know that it's actually working right so right. if you had asked miss katie from 10 years ago i'd be like because it is because it is That's because exactly it is right don't yeah. you see that child no but unfortunately it and, and i don't like I, like I said i don't love i don't love data collection but it is a and it, like i said it's not it's not always good at it either um but it's a critical component of of, of the work that we do and because you know, anecdotal only gets so far, right? I know, but it's so and, great. And it's, so, it's so great. But you have to have those data collection points for, you know, you know future cells to validate yep. this whole entire uh, idea of music therapy because yes. it, it, there is a little bit of a stigma tor- towards yes. it. Yes. Oh, my gosh. P- please, people think I'm, I sing to musicians. Like you're right. a musical therapist. Do you sing? To, and I'm like, no, 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 no. This is way more than just, you know, singing to musicians yeah. and making them feel better or singing yeah. to kids and make them feel better. There is... Uh, and to be fair, I, I thought about this as well, but I know the whole extent. But it's it's way more than just that, uh, right. clearly. Thank you. And clearly, that. there is a precedent mm-hmm. for there uh, for this to happen, mm-hmm. and especially with with the whole lighting up of the whole entire brain. Yeah, that's incredible it's to me. Cool. <laughs> so, last question: What is one of the funniest things to ever happen? Oh gosh. What is one of the funniest things that has ever happened? I, I, <laughs> you know, um, one thing that I love to do is, um, is make rhymes. So we will have a kiddo, they, and I'll just make up a song, okay? I don't know if it's the funniest, it's the one that I can come up with on the spur, but every once in a while I'll rhyme a couplet or I'll do something and I'll stop and I'll just be like, well done, music therapist. And the whole room starts. So sometimes it's just for the, the benefit of the adults in the room that I can write some sort of ridiculous rhyme off the top of my head. And once I actually wrote one and I actually teared up, I was like, oh my God, that was so sweet. I should write this down. But no, I mean, I, like there's little things like that every day that just, uh, you know, I'll come up with something or, or I'll do something in the complete wrong key. You won't even know what song it is. And I'll be like, mic drop. Start over. Start over. Start yeah. over. I'm like, sorry. <laughs> um, the people that I work with can attest to uh, many rhymes gone wrong, many rhymes gone right, many chords gone wrong, many chords gone right. right. So, <laughs> and the the best part about it is that you just have to keep going. You just keep going. <laughs> yeah, nobody heard it. <laughs> nobody. Yeah, no. they're kids anyway. So, well, and I will often say to a munchkin, um, I'll say, listen. Uh, Miss Katie does not have it today. I said, let's, <laughs> and I go, three, two, one, start over. And we start over. That's, well, that's, and, well, that's another thing. Uh, you know, having cues for children. Oh, sure. Works oh, so much. Oh, w- when you're swimming, I dare you to go, ready, set. And they're all going to go, go. Yeah, right. Well, yeah, well, we do. We teach the one, two, three. <gasps> yeah. So that way, whenever we, we you know, count the three, it's, it becomes instinct to take a breath. You got it. Or, you know, stuff like that. Uh, for the kids that are in special needs, I like I, I we've tapped their heads, to put their head back, or beautiful, you know, stuff like that. Push the bottom of their uh, back, like yep. smaller back, to help push their belly up, so that way they can float. Yeah, and it's, it's uh, cues like that that yeah. help children way more than you know sometimes verbal. Absolutely, stuff. oh, absolutely. It's Pavloving them. <laughs> 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 ding ding ding. Yeah, right. <laughs> Well, where can people find more about you and the work that you do? So um, you can find me actually online at my website um, to learn about music therapy and to learn about Heartstrings United. Um, the website is heartstringsdevelopmentalmusic.com. Um, that's where you can find out what I am, what I do, who, you know, the, the populations that I serve, um, as well as, you know, if you are interested in like, you know, hearing my music or, or me singing, um, I use an Instagram called Blue Guitar Girl. Um, just because I play a blue guitar. So that's about the extent of that. But um, since for the purposes of music therapy, um, uh, heartstringsdevelopmentalmusic.com. Well, with all that said, I am Corey Rosen. This is the Story Podcast. If you want to learn more about me and the work I do, you can go over to coryrosenproductions.com. That's C-O-R-Y-R-O-S-E-N productions.com. There you can find out more about you know me, the podcast, uh, my missions, the the events that I wanted to put on, and Speaking of events, we have our first ever event coming on this March, Sunday, March 19th, 5 to 9. It's the Story Award Shows where we give out awards to subjective and objective uh, things. A Grammy-style award show, there will be live music, food, and a one-hour jam session. So be sure to bring your guitar or your instrument with you. 
with that said, tomorrow we have on one of uh, some heroes of mine, really. Yes. Uh, from uh, the band Snarky Puppy, we have Bob Lanzetti. He's an original member. Uh, Haida Ogawa, he's an incredible percussionist, one of the most sought-after percussionists in the world, I believe, right now. And Zach Brock, an, an incredible violinist. That'll be tomorrow, this Friday, uh, next Friday. We have John Carricks. He is a a, ra- a radio host uh, with Osh Radio. And he has done a lot of movies, a lot of music, and that's going to be a lot of fun. And then next next Sunday, not this Sunday, the following Sunday, we'll be having Kevin Gannon on as well. Uh, for, for those who don't know, he works with, he is the founder of the Bedside Manor. Musician's Bedside Manor. Musician's yeah. Bedside yeah. Manor, and I will hear more about him. He also is a part of Mo Blues, mm-hmm. and, which is a great band from around here, so I'm excited to talk to him about that. So with all that said, stay tuned. Make sure you like, follow, subscribe, comment, anything you want. Share with all your friends, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye.